For all your fantasy football needs, check out the Ringer Fantasy Football Show with me, Danny Kelly, along with Danny Heifetz and Craig Horlbeck. That's the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Stay mage and enjoy yourself. Wait, there's something going on Saturday. What's happening? So I just uh, I just woke up about an hour ago in uh, the lovely hotel in Pittsburgh, PA, a few hours before payback. And I had every intention today of dropping a little bonus episode, this special Saturday edition of There's Something Going On Friday with my conversation with Raquel Rodriguez. And that is what we're going to do. And it's a fun conversation. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. I love uh, getting to know someone and particularly doing so when they're on the verge of such a big day. Um, We talked yesterday and of course tonight is clearly the biggest night of her professional career. So uh, some fun to be had there. But then after I interviewed Raquel, SmackDown aired. And I guess I just had not thought that much about the Cena appearance on SmackDown this week. Uh, maybe that's my bad. Maybe there was something out there and I, I was sort of missing the the signs. Um, I knew he'd be in India a week from yesterday. Uh, and I just assumed that part of the deal was, you know, come back, do an episode of SmackDown and then go do the show in India. And good night. Good luck. We'll see you next time. Well, we have some breaking news. If, if for some reason you have not watched SmackDown from last night, uh, John Cena more than intimated that he is back for a while. Um, it sounds like a matter of months, whatever that means. That that was the language he used last night during the promo was months. Um, and that seems to be what people are now saying is that it will be a two to three month run for John Cena back in WWE in a real way. So that is not what I expected. Um, I don't know if that means. Well, he also announced he'll be hosting Payback, 
which immediately makes a payback feel like a bigger pay-per-view. It's amazing, PLE, I should say. It's amazing how in like two minutes, I started, my, my feelings on payback changed a lot. Like maybe two days, but but really I'd kind of been saying repeatedly, you know, it's sort of an odd PLE, blah, blah, blah. Um, you don't have Roman Reigns involved. Cody Rhodes is, is doing a, the Grayson Waller effect, sort of a different kind of deal. Now you look up, and you realize, A, there are a couple of really pivotal matches. I think the LA Knight Miz match is a big deal. They had a great segment together last night on SmackDown. So that's a really big match. The Raquel Rhea thing, I think, is very cool. And now you have it hosted by John Cena, who had an interaction last night with Jimmy Uso that led to Jimmy Uso catching an attitude adjustment. So John Cena is now back in the fold in WWE uh, two to three months is what people are saying. That would mean he'd be at payback. That would mean uh, he'd be, I believe, in October. In October, you have um, a PLE uh, October 7th in Indianapolis. And then in November, in early November, I think there's a Saudi show, followed by Survivor Series end of November. I don't know if that means he'd be around all the way through Survivor Series. I don't know. Um, but it does mean that currently John Cena is back on the roster of WWE. Pretty fascinating. I don't know if it'll just be a SmackDown deal. It sounded kind of like SmackDown. Um, Because he definitely said back on SmackDown. Of course, that's where he was appearing. We'll see if that means he also pops out on Raw here or there, but not what I had on my bingo card for yesterday was that we were going to find out John Cena is back in WWE in a real way and will be a part of the payback show tonight, which certainly makes payback way more interesting. So anyways, uh, I appreciate everyone who's driving around the kids today, running errands, doing whatever you got to do, taking in this last bit of summer, this Labor Day weekend and came by to get some bonus cheap heat. So wanted to talk about the John Cena situation. And now I give you my conversation. I sat down yesterday um, in Pittsburgh with Raquel Rodriguez about her big day and everything that's led to that. Uh, here's the conversation. Stay mage. All right. Well, as we're recording this uh, Cheap Heat conversation, it is the day before Raquel Rodriguez will have her PLE singles debut on the main roster. Ah, yeah. Is that right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. My first singles premiere live event. Yeah. Uh, and happens to be for the world championship and happens to be against not just someone that you have a really deep relationship with, but I mean, if, if we're being honest possibly the hottest person in all of professional wrestling. I mean, right in the conversation for like no one being more over than this person. R- Rhea Ripley, your world yep, champion. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, and, and and you guys, this is, this is one of those fun things where like there's a story that you guys have on TV and then there's a story that you guys have in life and then there's sort of a blending of the stories yeah. that, that's happening. But um for people who may not be familiar um, with your journey, before we get to Rhea and that history that's there, just because it's cool to be talking to someone the night before <laughs> the biggest professional moment of their lives, how did we how did we land here? Well, you know, it took a lot of um, guts. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So I am a second generation wrestler. I obviously fell in love with this because of my dad. Um, but I played basketball in college, graduated from college, and then. 
I said, you know what? WWE's having a tryout at the Arnold Classic. I'm buying a ticket. I'm going. And I did. <laughs> and I literally just bought a ticket for a day, showed up, met the recruiter because they already had their athletes. And then he told me to email him, send him pictures, and the rest was history. I got a tryout a couple months later, and then I got signed to NXT. Um, and I started in NXT in October of 2016. But being the child of a pro wrestler, how deeply connected were you like to the business growing up? Um, I wouldn't say I was too deeply connected. My father, he wrestled more in like territories, Mexico. He did wrestle. Um, he was one of the first champions for TWA, Texas Wrestling Alliance, which was Shawn Michaels' school back in the day. Um, but it wasn't too, too connected. So there was still a good amount of work and proving I had to do for myself when I just walked in. I wasn't exactly handed anything. <laughs> yeah, and, and your dad was more of like a classic old school working man's wrestler. Yes, like he yeah. was. He was making money and, and getting by, but this wasn't like a glamorous, this wasn't the glamour life your dad was living in pro wrestling. No, no. He was working two jobs, three jobs sometimes. Um, he would drive up to Houston and stay up over there, which was like five hours away from us to work sometimes. And then we got to a point or that age where my dad was starting to know that we were becoming more impressionable around the people that we were with and the schools we were with. So he decided to quit his dream of wrestling and focus more on my sister and I and make sure we were getting a good education and that we were around the right people to help guide us to be successful in life. So how, how old was he when he stopped wrestling? He was probably, um, I'm so bad with ages. I want to say he was about 30, maybe 30. So still pretty young. Still I mean, pretty young. Yeah, I was, I, my dad had been wrestling since before I was born. The day I was being born, my dad was actually out wrestling. So wow. he wasn't even present for my birth, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> but he stopped wrestling when I was um, about to go into fourth grade. So, wow. Yeah. So, how is it really cool for him that this is happening for you? Yeah, I think it is. I, and my dad's very, very proud of me. He's still very hands-on. And even when I told him I wanted to start wrestling, he was very adamant about being there when I was training, who I was training with. He's very protective of us, obviously, and he worries for us a lot, but he's very proud of my success. And I actually wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him because my family has had my back. They literally moved me to Florida. They want me around all the time. They want to come and be at these events as much as they can. They're very hands-on, so I have a great support system. Um, have you ever had, like, it's sort of interesting, though, because, you know, obviously you being at the level you're at, is a different professional level than your dad was ever able to get to. Mm -hmm. um, whether it be because that was just his path or just that it was cut off by needing to take care of his kids. But like either way, uh, he wrestled for, I'm sure he's wrestled more matches than you, but he hasn't <laughs> done it in the sort of spotlight that you've been in. Like, So it must be interesting. So his advice to you, I'm guessing, must be more specific about like in ring versus oh, yeah. the bigger picture. I mean, he... He, he's not telling you how to make sure you're paying attention to hard cam. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. so it's a totally different experience, but is he still able to be like, to offer you things that are very valuable? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have a best friend relationship with my dad, so I call him every morning and after my shows every night and he always has something to say and it's always, you need to put the big boot in there more or <laughs> you need to look more aggressive on something or, um, really anything that pops off his head. And it's funny because sometimes he gives me advice and I hear it and I'm like, yeah, that's so old school. That's so old school of you. I don't know if it'll work now, but I'll but, keep but, it. But I like back. that you're saying yeah, it. Yeah, I like that you're saying it. I'm going to keep it in my back pocket because you never know. It might work one day. Does he have, did he have any moments in his history that were like his Al Bundy, you know, four touchdowns at Paul Kai where he was like, you know, 
one day in Amarillo, I had a match with Shawn Michaels on the. It was no one was there. Like, does he? Did he have? Does he have the glory moment you'd hear about oh, a lot? Oh, there's so many glory moments with him. There are, and it's funny because when I was playing basketball, his glory mo- moments were more about him playing basketball in high school and how good he was. And then <laughs> I started wrestling, and somehow all the glory moments just shifted to wrestling. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, he's he's worked some pretty big names. Like he worked he worked Booker T and his brother back in the day in Houston. Wow. Um, Shawn Michaels, of course. I'm trying to remember who else he stepped into. The the Bushwhackers. Lots of different people that we got to meet um, when we were younger that, you know, we didn't even realize what was going on, but it was really cool. But this cool. must be so cool. It must be so surreal. Like, if for someone like your dad, and then your mom was around it too, obviously, mm-hmm. for them to have been, like, around it in this sort of peripheral, indie sort of way, it must still be a wild experience. Like, have they gotten to be around you backstage and, like... You're, I mean, I'm sure your dad plays it cool, <laughs> but there's no way his eyes aren't somewhat popping out of his head also, yes, yeah, right? Yeah. No, my parents have come backstage at a few Raws and the SmackDowns, um, and they were able to go to WrestleMania with me too this past year for my first WrestleMania, so that was really cool, and I know it was a special moment for them because I looked out into the audience and I could see them, and my mom was just crying. She was just in awe of like the magnitude of how big this was. And having them backstage, yeah, my dad likes to stand there with his arms crossed and kind of like keep his real like serious, you know, machismo face on. (laughs) But I see him looking and then later on he'll ask me something or he'll be like, it's not as big as he looks on TV. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, of course. But we won't name names. No, 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 no. but he can still take them. Yeah, he can still take them. (laughs) Um, So how... uh, when you were a kid, did you think it was going to be basketball? Like, what did you think it was going to be for you at this age in your life? When I was a kid and I was watching my dad wrestle, I wanted to wrestle too. I, I wanted to wrestle even after he told me to focus on school and he as well let go of the dream. Um, and I kind of fell into basketball because he was coaching our young boys at our school's team. And so we were sitting there at practice and I was like, I would just try and play this. Um, so I fell into basketball then. And then, yeah, my dream kind of turned from being like a WWE superstar or a WNBA basketball player. Those were my two dreams. And that was it. And then I started to get a little bit older and I started watching a little bit more TV and being like a little bit more involved in what was happening and changing with WWE in the women's division. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. I'm going to study broadcast journalism and mass communications because I think it could help me with wrestling. (laughs) And it like immediately flipped back to wrestling once I was already in college playing basketball actually. And where'd you go to school? So I played for two years at Texas A&M Kingsville and then I transferred to Sam Houston State University and I graduated from there in Huntsville. And did you play there too or no? I did, yeah. You played at both? Yeah, I played at both. Um, and you ended up studying the uh, broadcasting? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. Oh, so you have everything covered now. Yeah, I'm ready. I was like, I'm going to be prepared for whatever they want to throw at me. <laughs> um, I just want to have all angles covered. And how long was your journey through... Um, like, was there a major wrestling journey prior to NXT and WWE? It wasn't too major because, um, again, my dad was very picky about who I trained with and where I worked and stuff. So when I told him I wanted to pursue wrestling, he was living in the Valley and I was living in Huntsville, Texas. They're about six hours away. We would have to drive to meet each other maybe once a month or every other weekend if we could. And that would be to San Antonio or Corpus. So... It was taking road trips to try and get my training on the ball. So my training was a little bit delayed. I wasn't getting to do it as frequently as other people were. 
Um, but my dad was very adamant about like putting me in there with some of his friends and his buddies that had experience and they would help me learn how to move around and, and control the ring and become more aware of the ring and stuff like that. So I think in a way it did kind of help me. But, and then you got, and then you saw there was an opportunity for a tryout. I did. Yeah. I was throwing myself at any opportunity. I signed up for tough enough. I made a video right out of college for that. How'd that go? Um, I didn't make it, but that's okay. Did you hear anything back? Uh, I don't remember, to be honest. So with it didn't you. go far, though. I think it like it got like a little push, and then it just kind of dwindled down after they picked like their f- finalists or whatever. So. Um, and then, how long did you end up at the performance center for? I was there till um, well, been up on the main roster for about a year and a half now. So I was at the performance center for about five years. Wow! I feel like, yeah. And did you feel ready when they when they called your name and said it was time? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! I was so ready. I was anxious. <laughs> there were so many things that were happening, especially after like just opening back up from the pandemic and NXT was kind of going through that change yeah. and Raw and SmackDown were going through that change and there was talks of another draft. I was I was so anxious. I was ready to just get up here and, and do some work. So you you have one of the, I've talked about this with many superstars over the years and sometimes it's a thing and sometimes you look back and it ends up not being a thing. It was a thing at the time, your name changed. Yeah. <laughs> um, how did you feel about it? How did you process the name change? Because it was a conversation, certainly, at first. Yeah, well, it, was, it wasn't too much of a conversation, I'll say that. It was kind of just given to me. Um, so I really didn't have too much to say about it, but I will say my... Oh, no, I mean more that other people had things oh, to say about Oh, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. internet had things to say about it. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yeah. I wanted to keep Gonzalez, obviously, because it's my real last name, and I wanted to keep that um, lineage going with my dad's name. But um, I also was, what was more important to me was keeping my Hispanic heritage. And that's all I really cared about, really. So I I was okay with the change. My dad, however, I guess he had a bad ex-girlfriend in high school with the last name Rodriguez. And he just does not like it. So, (laughs) sorry. And it's also, it it is sort of funny, too, because they're both incredibly common names. Yes. But different. Like, I, I, it's funny because, like, you know, I I didn't even have to mention you until you were on the main roster. And yet I still have to, like, stop every time for the first six. Six months because I'm like, wait, I, this is me messed up. If I just randomly called her Gonzalez instead of Rodriguez. Oh, it messed I mean, all of us right. up. It was confusing there for a little while, but you got the alliteration. The alliteration yes. makes it, I think, easy for people. Yeah. Um, so let, let's talk a little bit about that, though, that you did say specifically the most important part was to be like sort of front facing and very forward about your uh, Hispanic heritage. That Has that just always been a really important part of who you are and it's the kind of home that you were raised in and you were, of course, raised in semi-rural Texas. So has it just always been sort of a, a big part of your personality? Yeah, yeah, it definitely has. I feel like it's a big part of who I am just in general and it's something that I like to keep close to me um, because it makes me feel safe and it makes me feel comforted, especially when you're always away from your family and you're always on the road. There's so many things that you have to kind of like keep in your pocket and keep on hand to make you feel good because you're going to go through so many ups and downs on these journeys and negatives and positives and having those things, having the things that my grandma taught me, that my mom's taught me, um, being able to call them and pray with them or or do whatever it is that I need to do with them. It, it's allowed me to stay in a good state of mind per se. So I, I do. I really love my culture. Uh, who do you speak Spanish with on the road? Who, is there anyone in the locker room that you speak Spanish with? Um, yes. So, Del Toro. <laughs> we speak Spanish all the time. Um, I do with Fantasma as well with Escobar. Um, some of the other talent will try and practice with me as well. Um, like Damien Priest will practice a little bit. Um, 
and Zelina Vega too. We'd be talking a little bit, but I feel like Del Toro's been, he's, he's like my work husband because <laughs> we kind of started around the same time too. And my Spanish isn't as good as his, obviously, but I was his translator for the longest. I was everyone's translator at the PC for the longest. Oh, really? Yeah. So he kind of helps correct me when I, when I'm speaking it and like something's wrong with like my vocabulary or something. So he gives me like the little nitpicky things to fix my Spanish. What, and, what was, what was the language breakdown for you growing up in your house? It was English. Um, my parents' first language was Spanish, but my grandfather only spoke Spanish. So my parents tried to push English on us just because... And how many of you are there? Me and my sister. Okay. And well... I but mean, you two started speaking English to each other. Yes. Probably. Yes. This but, is always the same story, yeah. right? Like, and who's older and who's younger? She's y older. She's, She's older. older. Yeah. So your Spanish probably slightly worse than hers. Actually, mine's better. Really? Yes. You stayed more on top of it? Well, because my grandpa, who only spoke Spanish, he worked outside in the ranch and I was always outside working with him. So I picked up my Spanish from him. And then wow. even as we got older and using not using it in school and stuff like that, I still always called my grandpa all the time and I, I just conversate with him a lot. So so so, so the corrections just exist in the fact that you were never someone who like studied Spanish and you didn't grow up in a Spanish speaking country. Yes. It's just like that of the... Like I like to call my Spanish Tex-Mex because <laughs> that's what it is. Like I hear my grandma say words sometimes and to me I know what it is and that's fluent to me. But I'll say it to um, Del Toro and he's like, that makes no sense. That's not a word here because that's our slang. Right. So Tex-Mex is our slang. Well, and both and both Thea and Damien are speaking Puerto Rican. Yes. They're speaking New Yorican Spanish New stuff Yurican too. New Yorican Spanish stuff, yeah. So there's lots of different dialects going on. Did you, did you catch, did you catch, I was very proud of this, like uh, six weeks ago, I, I said, at whatever, at SummerSlam, I saw a priest and I brought up the word bochinche. Do you know oh, the word bochinche? no, I don't know the word bochinche. See, that's the thing. It's yeah. Puerto Rican slang. I only know it from being in New York. And it's <laughs> a word that one of my co-hosts, who's not even Puerto Rican, she's Guatemalan, but if you're Latino and you're in New York, you end up using Puerto Rican and Dominican slang yep. because it's so pervasive. Yes. So yeah, bochinche is just like, it's, it's gossip. I love that. Oh! Like she's Mosa. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. It's, it is. That's exactly what Damien Priest said when he was describing someone else. That's because like, that's what I'd be calling him. Oh, really? <laughs> He's so she's Mosa. Exactly. So Bochichero Bochi Bochi is the Bochi same Chero. thing. Bochichero, that's what I'm going to say. All right. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm going to say. It's a good one. Um, all right. So we, we, we talked a little bit about uh, Rhea, but uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about your your relationship when that started. Did it, like, was it this? I mean, I guess you guys. Timing was pretty similar, right? Yeah, yeah. We started at the performance center. I think she was just like a few months after I had started. She came walking in through the doors, and you could tell she was super shy. I obviously was just me because we're new there, you know, and, and it's hard to be new in a new place where you know you're getting judged every day on everything that you're doing, both athletically, physically, mentally, everything. The way you act. The way you act. Yeah, you're the even just like you standing there. How are you standing there? Are you standing there like you look like you're tired, you're lazy? What what's going on? So it's it is it is very intimidating walking in there. Um but I noticed right away she was like a bigger girl too and we just kind of started talking and um, started to get to know each other from there. And then we started to really connect, I think more in the gym because we were in the same classes together. So we'd be lifting together. We pushed each other a lot. What's your guys age difference? Um, I'm 32. So she's, oh, she's 20, a few years younger than you. Yeah. Yeah. She's like five or six. Yeah. She's I mean, like a little sister. Well, that's the part I was going to get to too. So you guys come in at the same time, mm -hmm. but she's a freak and yeah. she's already, she, when I saw her at the May young for the first time, she was like 19 years old or yeah. something and already right away. 
had a different level of sort of uh, a grasp of it. Yeah. Was yeah. it like that from the second you met her? Like, oh yeah, you could tell that this this girl walked in there and she had a passion for it. She didn't just come in not knowing anything. She came in with like full knowledge of who she was and what she wanted to be. Granted, she was trying to go for a look that she thought they would want to see from her, but she knew exactly what it, what it was that she was trying to get out of this. She was already determined, so mature for her age, so wise, and just really committed to what she wanted her process to be like. When you guys first like worked out together, was she more experienced than you? Um, in the gym, no, I don't think so. Cause I, I did a couple stuff in the gym too with basketball and stuff. Obviously they made us go lift weights every, every No, but day, what about so. like what, the first time you rolled around together? Oh, wrestling wise. Um, honestly, I don't know. Cause like a lot of the stuff that we did together for the first time was in like the beginner classes. They put everyone in the beginner classes together. Right. So we were pretty, I feel like we were pretty even when it came to that. Um, and has your relationship just stayed close the whole time? Yeah, yeah, it has because we kind of went through the same struggles. You know, we both felt overlooked for a long time. We both felt like outcasts. We both felt like we couldn't find ourselves or find a, a position in NXT or in WWE. Um, we got told a lot of things that might have brought our spirits down a lot of the time. And, and it was really hard for us because we were never really like, we never felt like we fit in with all the other women. It was it was really difficult to be confident and, and feel like you you know you're going to be going somewhere. You know what I mean? It wasn't until we got put into Scotty Two Hotties class together that we both kind of like came out of our shells a little bit and he really like amped up the volume, if I'll say for her, especially when it came to like the attitude of having in the ring and, and Well what is what does Scotty do that's special? I feel like Scotty's class was always more um, pertained to like the entertainment aspect of wrestling. That makes sense. Yes, the the like outlandish movements, the in between stuff, the like poetry in between the moves. We never really did anything crazy or talked about like doing superplexes off like the or moonsaults or anything like that. It was like, hey, what do your punches look like? Let's work on your on your strikes and stuff like that. So like it was the little things, the little things that I think make a big difference um, in a match when you watch someone performing. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED highlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So I had a conversation with um, Rhea a few months ago, and we were talking a lot about her character and, and, you know, her sort of finding herself in the last, this most recent run, how it's been very different than her first time around post-WrestleMania with Charlotte and all that. And one of the things that we talked about is actually one of the things that I think you are dealing with currently, which is sort of the challenges of being a smiling baby face. Uh, (laughs) And you are like the definition at this point in your career of just being like, 
I'm a I'm a good guy and you should pull for me because look at me, I'm nice and I love people and I smile. Vote Raquel. <laughs> Every day is like vote Raquel. Oh yeah. It is. Um, how hard is it? Because like everyone I've basically ever talked to has kind of explained. I've Becky has told me the exact same thing. Like it is just hard coming out there and being everyone's friend. And when you're able to be a badass who's not so nice. All of a sudden, you find things that make it a little bit easier. You know what makes it hard is the people make it hard. The people make it hard because everybody loves a cool badass. Everybody loves a cool badass, and they all want to cheer for a cool badass. And I feel like that's what makes it difficult. It is really hard because you're trying to, like, claw for people's affection, and you're just smiling so much. Like, maybe if I just smile a little bit more at you, you're going to smile back at me, and you'll cheer for me or something. But isn't it funny if you were to apply that? And, like, what we're saying is not some sort of indictment no. of your character. This is literally what it is to be mm -hmm. the, like, you know, super, super white meat baby face, as they say, right? Like, you are kind of like that personality that if you met the person in real life, and they were trying that hard, and they yeah. had a shit-eating grin every time you talked yeah. to them, more than likely you turn around like, that kind of a douche. You know what I mean? Like, that can happen. So it's really an interesting sort of test of people. And what happens? Kids love you. Yes. They gravitate because yes. kids are so sweet. Because, yeah, they don't kids have just want high layer. fives. Give them the high five. Right. You know? Give them a high five. Well, and, and they love you. You're affable and you seem kind and warm and you're sticking out your hand to give them five. So, of course, they love you back. But it's harder when you're dealing with the, you know, 30-year-olds. And it's funny because WWE is really a mix. Like, yeah. our events are incredibly kid-friendly. And I tell everybody, like, take your kids. It's the best time ever. Unlike sporting events where there's, like, an air of sort of competition. And with that, there can be an air of tension even mm -hmm. at a football game or whatever. WWE events, there's no air of tension. Yeah. It's just a good vibe. Yeah. Like, that is it. Between it, the fans, everyone. And like, everybody. everybody. It's just a vibe, and it's the perfect place to bring kids. Yeah. That being said, though, the audience isn't mostly kids. The <laughs> audience is mostly adults. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and adults are more challenging if yes. you're a baby face. So has that been a... Like, like you were saying, it, it's it's people are challenging in that way. What do you do and what can you do like with your character to try to make sure that people continue to cheer you when at this point that is the goal. It's like, <laughs> like me, like me, really like me, you know? You know, yeah. And like, so when I got called up a year and a half ago, yes, it was a lot of smiles. I will say that um, it was a lot of smiles, even a lot for me. And I feel like I'm a pretty chipper person most of the time. Um but like now I feel like with this storyline that we're kind of going into, I think that's helping me a little bit. It's helping me kind of pull in those 30 year olds and get their attention a little bit more because I can be a little bit more serious and they can see me in a competition that's a little bit more even toed with me. So I'm not just the big giant that's in the ring throwing around little girls anymore. Like I'm fighting arguably the most dominant female in WWE at the moment. So. Yeah, well that, that is true. It gives you, that's another challenge you have though too. So A, you're just supposed to be, you know, really smiley, happy, good guy, but also you're bigger than basically everyone you're up against. Yes. Which perfectly suits someone who's a terrible person. Yes. Because you could take advantage of those <laughs> skills and just be really mean to everyone. I should and, be a bully. Right, and be <laughs> underhanded and be awful. Like, even though you don't have to cheat, you still cheat. Yeah. So it's a really interesting, mm -hmm. I find it really fascinating, I think you're right, the Rhea thing presents a couple of things. Like it presents a or some real life storylines people can grab onto. It also requires your character to like be. I mean, listen, 
Let me li- let me live in the world for a second. <laughs> yeah, you're you're an underdog tomorrow. Yeah. Like it doesn't yeah. like even title, no title, no matter what, you're the underdog. We haven't seen. It's been a year and a half that we've seen you. Rhea has been, I think, as dominant a superstar as there's been men's or women's over the last couple of years. Yeah. So no matter how you cut it, you're an underdog tomorrow. So it does give you the chance to really have people pull for you to see if you could climb this mountain that is Rhea Ripley. Yes, exactly. And I think I, I had this conversation yesterday, actually, on another interview where they said, do you feel like the term underdog is something that you would frown upon? And I said, no, I fully embrace it, especially for this, because like you said, she is the most dominant in WWE at the moment. I am going in as the underdog, but it's my opportunity to go in there and show everyone that I'm not just a smiling bubbly giant that's just throwing girls around i am a comp- competitor too and i can stand my own ground in this women's division how uh, you, you've, you've used the word giant now multiple times <laughs> how tall are you i'm six foot <laughs> so you're not actually a giant in no, life no but uh, compared to a lot of the other females on the division <laughs> yeah, yeah a little bit <laughs> yeah you, you well, and your old tag team partner in particular yes you exactly. and have, a, have a very striking and that's a really challenging thing in wrestling too because it's not like always spoken about but Realism is important. Yes. So it's like, who is a realistic challenger for someone? You're in a tough spot where it's like, if if the title's on Raquel, who do you believe is capable of getting it off of you, right? There's yeah. only, a, only a couple of people. Yeah. And even in building you, how many people does it look impressive for you to beat? Like, like, does it look impressive if you were to toss around someone like Liv Morgan? You know what I mean? So it's exactly there's a lot of things that make presenting you, I think, sort of interesting. Like on paper, it's the easiest thing in the world. Right. Right? You <laughs> yeah. see you and you go, oh my God, look at this. Look, her smile, she's in great shape, she's tall. She looks like she should be a pro wrestler. Yeah. But then when you like get into it further, you're like, hmm. This is gonna be difficult. Right. Yeah. Somehow it's really tough. So so right now you love you love the kids, you love being loved. Are you, is it safe to say though, if there were to be another time in life where you had a different disposition that would be fun for you? Oh yes, 100%. And I started off as a heel, you know, teaming up with Dakota Kai. We were bad guys then. And I think uh, it kind of gave me an edge to be put in this position. And it was something that actually, I feel like I spoke about this with um, Shawn Michaels down in NXT about how you kind of start off as a bad guy and it helps you learn the ropes. It helps you learn the ring. It helps you learn how to lead. But slowly as you become this bad guy and the people start to like you more and they start to gravitate towards you more, you're just naturally going to turn into that baby face. And towards the end of my NXT career, that's kind of what happened to me. So I was already kind of in that baby face mode of being the biggest girl on the roster and being a baby face and then getting called up to the main roster in that same position. But they wanted more smiley and less of the Raquel we had in NXT it was very confusing, but I love it because I get to use my creative juices and we get to get real different when we come to these matches. And I think that's what makes it cool too, is that I've been able to have an opportunity to wrestle Ronda Rousey, um, to wrestle Trish Stratus. And I feel like I've been able to go in the ring with both of them, both these women who have experience beyond my years and work with them in a creative, different way that the people haven't seen before. And that's what I love doing. And 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 if it keeps working out and... You continue to be loved as a good guy. Guess what? Then people start booing you. And yeah. Here we, and here we go again. And here we go and again. So <laughs> I really think, with very rare exceptions, I mean, you look at even The Rock. Mm-hmm. Good, bad, good, bad. I mean, with the exception of like you know someone like Hulk Hogan, who it's like ten years of good, 
six years of bad. You know, for the most part, this is what people's careers are if they're yeah. successful, is like learning how to navigate both and you'll just kind of keep rolling back and forth. Um, thanks for spending time the day before this big day. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I really hope it's awesome and you have just the time of your life, regardless of how it, it. it ends up uh, working out. Thank you, I appreciate it. I'm very excited, so thanks for having me and let me share my story a little. All right, Raquel Rodriguez. Beautiful. Thank you, you like that, right? Yeah, I like that. I can that. roll an R. The majesty. Sweet, sweet Peter Rosenberg. And then I went to makeup and like sat in front of the mirror a little bit and got myself together. Also, ladies and gentlemen, at this time, I would like to introduce. Shout out to that guy, Greg. Red Heart is the greatest professional wrestler in the history of the art form. Mage.